one. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Two Guys and a Mic podcast number 15. Took a little break for the end of 2019 and our holiday season. Hope you guys all had a great one to finish 29 or 2020 out as we roll into 2021. I'd like to say a happy new year. Uh, first, let's give a quick background of what we did during our break. Um, for me, for instance, for Christmas, I was able to spend it with my older sister Michelle's house in lovely Gainesville, Florida, where temperatures actually dripped down shockingly to in the 20s, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Felt like I was back home in Virginia, for se. But it was great to be around family for the holidays, especially this past year and how rough it was with COVID. Uh, it was a good time to see everyone, and I hope everyone had a joyous time with their family during the holiday break. We are back. Uh, Brian and Logan, uh, Brian, why don't you kick us off with what you guys did for your holidays? Yeah, so uh, I made the rounds with the family. I was here in Orlando for uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Saw both my parents. Um, saw family from in, out of town. And then on Saturday following Christmas, uh, Allison and I made our way up to where Logan was, up in uh, Holland, Michigan. And I'll let Logan kind of give the rundown of uh, what happened up there. Yeah, uh, spent a lot of time with family over the break. Uh, my family was, uh, my parents were up here in Orlando before, before Christmas, got to spend some time with them, which was a lot of fun. And then we took off and we drove up to Michigan and... Uh, Long drive, but uh, it was it was good drive. It was fun. Um, we got to see snow on uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, which was fantastic for my son uh, for his first time seeing snow. Uh, and Brian and Allison met us up there. Um, good time. Got some snow on the way back. Um, first time really driving in in snow uh, that was like falling, and that was an interesting experience. Uh, not bad, but uh, definitely definitely different than what we have to deal with in Florida. So, but, uh, yep. So family for, uh, for new year's as well. Mike missed you, uh, down here this year. Usually we get together for while you're down for Christmas sometime, but, uh, this means you got to come down pretty soon. Got to come back. And guys, before we jump into this episode, as we always like to start off the show, what are we drinking? Brian, I think you had the honors this week. What do we got for us? Yeah. So this is what we tried to do a few weeks ago and we were trying to keep it within the holiday spirit. So, uh, Actually, only Mike was able to get it about three weeks ago, and Logan and I lagged behind. But we're drinking the Ligenkugen Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. So, boys, let's do this. Let's take a sip. Cheers. Mike, what do you think? That's definitely a unique taste. I definitely I wasn't going to be sure if I was going to get the vanilla uh, right away, but you definitely get that that small hit of vanilla. Um, as it goes down, definitely still lingering as you uh, as it sits there. That's pretty good. Pretty good flavor for the for the porter here. Yeah, for sure. The vanilla hits you on the back end. Um, it's definitely a winter beer, uh, for sure. Luckily, it's a little cooler here in Florida tonight. Um, so, kind of hits the spot. Logan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a porter guy. I'm not really that. I, I like a, a full-bodied beer, but uh, porters really aren't my style. But, yeah, I mean, the, the vanilla is pretty smooth. Um you know, it's it's it would go really nice with like a real hearty like roast, you know, <laughs> um, something like that, some like some sweet potatoes or something like that. But no, it, it's actually it's actually a little bit smoother than I expected. Uh, so I, I enjoy. Nice pick. 
All right, and moving on, getting down to our business of the podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on both our Facebook and Twitter social pages at Two Guys and a Mike. If you want to connect with us, chime in with us, give us drink suggestions. Always greatly appreciated. Make sure you follow us at Number Two Guys and a Mike on both Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Moving on, let's go. Let's bring up the summary. In today's episode, it gets dark for some teams on Black Monday. We break down the NFL wildcard matchups. We close out our regular season pick'em picks. And we decide who will be the college football playoff national championship. We have a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. Getting started with the NFL. With the close of the NFL's regular season came the annual purge of coaches and executives whose teams didn't make the playoffs, known as Black Monday. We all knew the Jets were giving Adam Gase the boot, but Black Monday also claimed Anthony Lynn from the Chargers, Doug Marone from the Jaguars. Logan, did you find it surprising that any of these coaches were fired, and who's next on the chopping block, if anyone? I think we're all not surprised by Adam Gase, but I wasn't surprised the Jags parted ways with uh, with Doug Marone either. He was able to find success in like his first year as a head coach in 2017. Uh, they went 10-6, and six, won two playoff games, against Buffalo and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, since then, he's really been just as bad as Gase. He's 12 for 36 over the last three years, including a 1-15 record this year, going to be the first pick. So I- I'm not surprised at that. But I am a little surprised that the Chargers fired Lynn. Uh, since he took over in 2017, he's had a winning record. He's been 32-21. and 21. Uh, They did win a playoff game in 2018, which is the first time they had been there in like five years. I probably would have given him one more year since they're still kind of rebuilding that team. I, I know the Chargers had coaching issues this year where they had like too many players on some very crucial downs and they had some confusion as if they're kicking or going for it. So kind of this kind of sloppy mistakes. But they did finish strong on a four-game win streak. I put an asterisk on that win streak because the Chiefs sat everybody. But I think he's done a good job developing Justin Herbert and – I would have given him one more year. Um, but I think, you know, there's guys out there like Doug Marone with the Eagles who I was kind of on the fence about whether or not he should go. And uh, after after last week with, you know, sitting uh, Jalen Hurts in a three-point game, I think he's got to pack his bags. What about you, Brian? What do you got? Yeah, I mean – Gase is not a surprise. We've talked about it all year. Um, Doug Marone, again, not a surprise. They're, that team's declined from years ago, 2018, when they uh, played the Bills in the wild card game, which I was at. Um, not too surprising for them. I think they're kind of taking this number one draft pick and t- taking it as a complete rebuild from top to bottom, inside and out, management and player. Um, but I agree with you. I thought Anthony Lynn was the name out of these three um, that we would have saw come back next year. And I thought the Chargers, you know, they had a rookie quarterback, um, but and they had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I thought that he was going to get at least one more year to see the development of Herbert. Um, I think it was pretty known that that was the quarterback that they were going to kind of putting all the eggs in the basket for, you know, especially since Tyrod got benched after the whole <laughs> uh, medical incident he had a couple weeks into the season. It's just odd that they fired him 
having a first year quarterback, it's new systems going to come in. It's almost like they're going to restart and Herbert's going to have to learn a whole new system. Um, so I was a little surprised by that one. Yeah. I think there was a couple surprises here. Um, going, but going with the charges with, with, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn there, I, I think the offense was there on, you know, all year. They just had some very close losses, uh, the defense didn't do him any favors at all down the pike, uh, and that was huge. The defense just never could correct itself. Do you put it on the coach? Maybe. Um, you know, that's just kind of a tough one, but this game is all about, you know, day in and day out, you know, getting those wins, and if the record's not there, you're prone to be axed on that Monday. So can't say I don't, I, you know, don't see it coming. Um, Adam Gase, I think everyone had that pictured. Uh, the Jaguars kind of shocking, uh, but, but like, was it part of their plan? Because it seemed like they just kind of bombed out, uh, you know. And thankfully, the Jets, you know, did them a favor by winning a couple games there towards the, the end of the season. Uh, but what what do the Jags know that we don't know? I mean, the rumor is, you know, Urban Meyer is going to be potentially the new hot target for the you know the coaching job of the Jaguars. Um, so. We'll see what happens there. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. I heard he wants a lot of money. That doesn't surprise me. But at the same time, you know, you got to be a proven coach in the NFL, I think, to get that. I think there's maybe a future topic here in our podcast for weeks ahead of maybe, you know, the success of uh, college football coaches, you know, making it as a coach in the NFL. Um, maybe a debate for another day. But. Yeah, I mean, end all, end all. You have to win games. All these, all these teams had bad records. I think bottom line, you knew it was coming. They were for sure going to be on the chopping block. So going on, uh, heading into the final week of the NFL regular season, there was still much to be decided in both the AFC and NFC. But as w- week seventeen came to an end, my Washington football team earned the final spot and gave us our final fourteen postseason teams. This weekend, we have a six-game lineup, which is being dubbed Super Wildcard Weekend due to this year's addition of one additional playoff seed in each division. Let's look ahead and answer the big question about each matchup. Let's start with the AFC side. Kicking off the Wildcard Weekend, we have the number seven-seeded Indianapolis Colts taking on the number two-seeded Buffalo Bills. After dismantling a stellar Dolphins defense, can the Colts' defense slow down Josh Allen and the Bills' offense? Brian, I'm going to have to throw it to you this first one. Can the Colts' defense stop this record-breaking year in Buffalo? Uh, I, I don't think so. And, you know, I'm trying not to be a homer here with the Bills. You know, 13-3, excited. I did not expect that last game against Miami to go the way that it did. Uh, Logan and I talked about it uh, beforehand, and uh, I thought we, we both thought it was probably going to be a little bit closer, especially if the Bills sat their starters. But, you know... I'm very big on the notion that if you ride momentum into the playoffs, that's the best place to be. And I don't know if there's a team in the NFL right now that can say that they have more more momentum than the Bills. Um, I think people should be scared. It's in Buffalo. The Colts don't have the benefit of their dome behind them. The conditions are going to be a little bit you know, more harsh. I think that plays perfectly for the Bills. I don't see the Colts' defense, which is not – bad by any means but i would say they're probably worse than what people thought the miami defense was going to be against them last week 
I just think they're hot, and I don't know if the Colts are the team that are going to stop them. You know, I'm thinking at least a 10 to 14 point victory for the Bills if all things go the way I hope they do. Uh, but let's be for real, it's the Bills, so they could always blow it. <laughs> what do you think, Logan? So if this question was asked earlier this year, I probably would have had a you know a yes to this uh, that they could slow him down. The the Colts defense at the beginning part of the year was you know like a top three defense. They were really really good, and then they kind of petered out and they've kind of settled as one of these slightly above average defenses. And, and the Bills certainly have improved. Uh, I have to give it to Sean McDermott and the Bills. They have improved incredibly since last season. Um, and as much as it pains me to say it, Josh Allen is a real star in the NFL. I think he's still on that border of that MVP conversation. I don't think he's quite there yet. But he's going to pick apart this Colts defense. They are not going to have an answer. The Bills are my second best team in the AFC. And I have them as the third best team in the NFL. Mike, how about you? Music to my ears, boy. So just to just to add on to uh, Brian, uh, I'm going to say there's two teams going into the playoffs this year that are hyped up just as much as Buffalo. Uh, that second team, other than being Buffalo, is the Don't Cleveland do it. Browns. Don't do it. Don't. I'm oh, doing it. Don't do it. No, I'm 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 saying it. These are the two teams that are going in hyped up. I mean, the Browns making their return oh, yeah. to the playoffs. Oh, they're hyped. Buffalo, for sure. you know, making their return. But both teams, I think, are equally as hyped. Um, I will say Buffalo is the better team out of the two of them. Um, but yes, there is that momentum going into this uh, postseason. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I think it's exciting to see these teams return to the playoffs and, you know, kind of bring new life um, into the league again, which is great. I think I think we all kind of want to see that. Uh, I think that's actually board. a really good point you just made there is, you know, to see new teams kind of emerge. Like the Bills haven't been... You know, unfortunately, Brian, like a, a real mm-hmm. playoff kind of contender in a long time. Even the the Colts have been kind of up and down ever since you know Peyton left. Um, and it's, so I, I'm going to jump in here and say it's good to not see the Patriots in the playoffs. Not on there, not on the board. Back to the rebuilding years. We'll see what happens with Patriots. Uh, going on now, we uh, we have the number five seeded Baltimore Ravens at the number four seeded Tennessee Titans. Uh, Last year, the Titans ended the Ravens' playoff run, and the Titans continued to beat up on the Ravens this year. During Week 11, the Titans overcame a 21-10 road deficit to win in overtime. Currently, the Ravens seem to have turned things around and are on a five-game win streak. Is this the start of the Ravens' revenge tour? Logan, what are your thoughts? So the Ravens aren't your average wildcard team. They kind of limped it. I don't say they limped it. They, They kind of had to put it all on the line to make it in. Uh, they led the NFL in point differential entering week 17. They only added that with their big blowout well, winning against the Bengals 38 to three. You know, they've won five in a row. They're led by the, the 2019 MVP, Lamar Jackson. You know, he's been putting up great numbers over the last month. To me, this is like the proverbial team. No one wants to face off with. They're a really good team, and they've got something to prove. They want to get that that Lamar Jackson playoff win. Teams should be worried about the Ravens. I'm selling hard on the Ravens. You know, they've been – the last couple years, I'd be right with you. Um, But, you know, they have not been a – 
in my opinion, a dominant football team this year. And, you know, I don't know if Lamar Jackson is really the quarterback that won him the MVP last year. Um, I think teams are figuring him out. It's the one downside of quarterbacks that are dual threat. If you figure out how to contain one of those avenues and make them throw the ball, sometimes you see a lot of weaknesses. Um, I'm not saying that they can't make a run, but this is the one game this weekend that I'm very interested to watch because I think the King, I think Derrick Henry can come in and run all over that Ravens team. And I think the rate, well, it's going to be at home. So the Titans, I think they're, they should be favored to win this game. Um, and I think the Titans do take it in a close matchup. I just, there's something about Baltimore that I am not sold on this year. And I don't know if it's Lamar Jackson or just the fact that I haven't watched them play enough games, but I thought they were going to take that division easily. The Steelers, of course, being a come-out-of-nowhere team this year, but I don't see them making a playoff push. I think Lamar Jackson also has a mental hurdle to get over. You know, If he can get this win, then I think they'll be dangerous, but until they get that first playoff win under his belt, I'm selling on them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with Brian on this one. I think they kind of limped into the playoffs this year. Uh, the past five games that they've played, uh, with the exception of the Cleveland Browns, uh, have just been just no strength to schedule at all. And I, and I think I think going into the playoffs, you at least want to play competitive teams uh, to build off of and get wins and then go into the playoffs hyped up and, and ready to play. I think the Ravens have been uh, dramatically uh, inconsistent this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think he gets MVP last year just because of his rushing yards alone. Um, and I didn't wrapping up wins that way, but I he just they just have not looked the same this year. The defense isn't there. Uh, the offense side of the ball with, with Lamar Jackson is it's it's not the same team. They just something's missing. They're not they're not the true dominant uh, Ravens that we've seen in years past. So I think the Titans I mean, Titans are going to get him this year. They're on a five game win streak. They're I mean, on a five game win streak. Momentum they, matters. Correct, but you're playing teams like the Bengals. Uh, maybe the Giants is, a, is an argument. You're playing the Jags. Uh, you're playing the the Cowgirls here. Like you're not playing like the only dominant team that based on a record would be the Browns, and they beat them forty seven forty two. So yeah, they're on a five game win streak. But at the same time, they're not playing competitive teams. I mean, you can't you can't pick who you play. I agree, but at the same time, I think it's 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 a soft way to get into the playoffs, and then you're going to go up against you know the Tennessee Titans, which are a higher caliber team than what they've been playing the past five weeks. Are they going to be prepared? Are they going to be ready for that? When past these five games, the Ravens have been getting dramatically you know inconsistent. I guess what we'll to see. We'll see what happens. And where are we at here? So then uh, closing out the wildcard weekend, we have the rematch with the six-seeded Browns at the third-seeded Pittsburgh Steelers. These two teams faced off against each other last weekend with the Browns edging out the Steelers. Can the Browns go back-to-back, or is it the return of Big Ben too much to handle? Brian, do you think Roethlisberger will be prepared for this game, or will it be an early exit for the Steelers? Well, I'm sure Big Ben will be prepared. I mean, we're talking about a veteran quarterback who's been doing this for a long time. Um, I think he was in our conversation for comeback player of the year this year. There's no doubt in my mind that he'll be prepared for the game. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of developments in this game today in particular with the uh, announcement that the Browns head coach 
um, won't be coaching in the game because of COVID. The f- facility's been shut down. Without that being said, I was picking the Steelers in this game to begin with. Um, it's in Pittsburgh. Big Ben's coming back. The Browns have a host of issues on their roster when it comes to the offense and who's going to be available. Now the head coach isn't going to be available. Come on. I mean, it's a good, it's a feel good story. I feel good for the Browns. I know what it's like to be in their shoes, go back to the playoffs after 15 plus years of not being anywhere. I feel good for Baker Mayfield. You know, I I like him as a human being. I think he is on the verge of maybe, uh, coming into his own and being a real franchise quarterback if he can play good in this playoff game. But as much as I've kind of hated on the Steelers this year, um, they played them competitively without their starting quarterback. So I think Ben Roethlisberger is more than a plus two on the score sheet um, and puts them over the top, and they they take the win at home. Mike, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to add, I mean, clearly the odds are even – stronger against the uh, Cleveland Browns here with all the COVID-related stories going into this game leading up to it. Um, But what's going on with the Steelers? I mean, we we talked about this in an earlier podcast, how, you know, they were were undefeated for the longest time. We we obviously talked about the strength of schedule, but then they start losing games at the, towards the end of the season. This last game playing the Browns, which obviously didn't really matter. Uh, they, They didn't need Big Ben play. They didn't play him. But then you have two Steelers linemen getting into a random fight on the sideline. I mean, what what is going on with the Steelers to have two guys fight, you know, each other on their own team, you know, in a game that means nothing? I mean, like you have to wonder what is going on in that organization, what is going on in their in their heads, and are they going to be mentally, you know, ready for this playoff game? I, uh, you know. I would love to pick, you know, if, if all this stuff didn't break out with the COVID stuff against the Browns, I would have loved to pick the Cleveland Browns as a Cinderella story to at least get past the Steelers, because I think truly they do have a chance to beat them. The players do. But then, of course, you know, with the coach not being there, you know, that kind of, you know, stacks up the odds, you know, a little bit more against them. But I do think the Browns have very good chance of beating the Steelers. I'm not going to pick them to beat the Steelers. But I really do think they have a very fair shot of beating the Steelers because we've we've seen the Steelers lose at the end of the season. Are they exposed? Maybe. And with two random you know linemen fighting each other, I mean, what what is that all about? What's what's going on mentality wise with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I, I don't think their heads are right. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I mean, this game did mean something to them. Um, I think it was a bigger picture as to get some guys rest. Uh, going into the playoffs. But, I mean, they still had a chance at the number two seed, um, depending on the outcome of the Bills game. But So I wouldn't say this game didn't mean anything. I think that these guys want to beat the Browns. They want to, you know, get that, that better seed, um, get that home field for at least most of the playoffs. You know, but anyway, it's it's hard to beat a team twice in a season. It's even harder to do it back-to-back. And this week is going to be so much different than last week. This week, the Steelers get rested versions of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, one of the defensive stars, TJ Watt, Maurice Pouncey, uh, Cameron Hayward, you know, coupled with the Browns losing their head coach, uh, a wide receiver, their Pro Bowl guard. They still have, you know, some potential lag from some of the other guys who have had 
uh, COVID over the past couple weeks. So I know the Browns are getting some guys back, but I'm going to take a rested Big Ben over Baker Mayfield any day. Sorry, Browns fan. By the way, that, that I left the SF on purpose. There's only one Browns fan. Uh, <laughs> so mean. <laughs> Viewers are going to love you. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get a text after this. He's just salty. Mm-hmm. We'll give it to him this week. Mm-hmm. I'm hey, still pulling I'm, for the Browns, though. I'm the one that's got to sit out and watch all my friends' teams make the playoffs, and I got to sit here and watch you guys. So. Okay, bitter party of one. <laughs> Stop yeah. describing my childhood. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going now. Switching our attention now to the NFC side of the fence, where the number six Los Angeles Rams at the number three Seattle Seahawks in the NFC West showdown. Uh, Rams backup quarterback John Wolford added a dimension to the Rams offense last Sunday in their 18-7 win over the Cardinals and created a quarterback controversy. Does it matter who is under center for the Rams against a red-hot Seattle defense? Logan, what do you think of Seattle's defense here? So this is kind of the matchup I think the Rams wanted. It's a you know battle for that NFC West. Um, it's going to be a defensive battle, and the Rams have the better defense. Uh, you know, possibly even the best defense in in football right now. Uh, and Sean McVay is is five and three lifetime against Pete Carroll with one of those wins this coming two weeks ago. Yeah, these teams know each other so well, um, and really the only thing that's kind of really separating them in terms of large scale is the quarterback position. Uh, this season, at times, we've seen Goff kind of hold the Rams back in terms of performance, and certainly play calling has come into that. Um, you know, But remember how, how the rookie started last week, man. He started off, first pass was an interception. Third pass was way overthrown. Fourth pass underthrown. Fifth pass wide right. He's young and inconsistent. It's unrealistic to expect him to be able to carry that team back-to-back against... You know, a, a good team this week. You know, uh, the the Cardinals are a good team, but they're not the Seahawks. You know, on the other side of the ball, you have Russell Wilson, and that's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, this is a, another weird game, and you know, they're talking about golf coming back. If golf's back and he can throw the ball, the Rams have a chance. The Seahawks and the Rams, they've both been very inconsistent this year. They had games where they blow out teams and they come back the next week and lose to teams that they shouldn't even be worried about. (laughs) The Jets, Rams, come on. What the hell? So, you know, but I don't, I don't think golf's going to be ready three weeks post surgery to the, the throwing hand thumb. With that being said, I think the Seahawks have a pretty easy path to victory um, what happened to the Rams team that was in the Super Bowl two, two years ago? Because even with Goff, they're not that team. So I'll, I'll take the Seahawks. Yeah, Brian, I think you. I'm with you on this one. You, you hit the nail on the head. Um, for sure, the Rams definitely not the same. You know, 2019 that uh, was in the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Uh, you know, we I think we all kind of hyped them up uh, going in as well as Seattle. Uh, but yeah, the Rams going to Seattle. Who knows how what the weather is going to be? The weather could be crappy and rainy. I mean, that's going to play into the hands of the Seahawks. So I think hands down, Seattle has a huge advantage and takes the win. Uh, Rams just not there. 
So next we have the seven-seeded Chicago Bears at the second-seeded New Orleans Saints. The Saints have been running a monk against their opponents this year. On Christmas, Kamara and the Saints ran for 264 yards and seven touchdowns. Then last week, they ran for another 156 yards, despite the entire running back corp being on the COVID list. Will the Saints' offensive line dominate another game and allow the Saints to run over the Bears? Brian, what do you think of the Bears? Do they have a chance here? Bears shouldn't even be in the playoffs, all right? They're the seventh seed, so they got in on the expanded playoff um, you know, uh, format that we can t- we're going to talk about in weeks to come. Stay tuned for that. Um, but eight and eight Bears, they started hot. We, we since then they've been a team that doesn't even know their own identity. Who's playing quarterback? It's Trubisky, obviously, for the playoff game. But I mean, Drew Brees is going to come in and throw all over these guys. I don't even think they need to run the ball one time this coming weekend to beat the bears in this game. Um, but I've been wrong before, but Logan, what's your take? Yeah. The, the bears certainly, you know, are a better defensive line than the Vikings and the Panthers. But this, this offensive line of the Saints is really doing some work. You know, the bears probably have the best tackle combination in the NFL, but they confirmed uh, either yesterday or today that Kamara is coming back and eligible. Plus they get Michael Thomas. So they're going to have to account for him. They can't stack the box. The Saints are going to run it up on the Bears. Like you said, the Bears have no business being in there. But as all Saints fans know, nothing is guaranteed in the playoffs after being favorites the last two years and getting bounced. Yeah, then the Bears are 8-8. Eight and eight. Trubisky's in there. I'm not a big Trubisky fan. They haven't even beaten a team with a winning record since week five when they beat Tampa by one point. You know, and, and like you said, Brian, if if it wasn't for the expanded playoffs, they wouldn't have even been there. I don't think the Saints should worry too much. Yeah, I find it funny. Um, I was going to even say Drew Brees could probably take the day off and they'd still beat the Bears. Um, yeah, I, I I have no faith in the Bears. I, I just think it's just Saints are just going to dominate the game. That's that's all we need to say. Uh, all in agreement on that one. So there you go. Uh, moving on to our last NFC matchup, we have the fifth seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers being favored over the number four seed Washington football team. Tampa's Brady-led offense has played exceedingly well the past three weeks against subpar defenses of the Falcons, Lions, and then again the Falcons. But Washington's defense is fundamentally sound and should provide a much tougher test. Can Chase Young and the Washington's defense line make Brady act his age? Logan, does the Washington football team have a chance to beat Brady and his Bucks? So Brian and I have had the pleasure of watching Brady uh, play many games against our teams. And uh, there's one thing that I've, I've noticed about Brady uh, it's always kind of rung true, is that if you can get to Brady and make him move, you have a shot in the game. Uh, you know, we've seen it this year when, when the protection's good, Brady looks like a top-five quarterback. When he has to hit, when he gets hit and has to scramble, he's a 43-year-old. You know, Chase Young and that Washington D-line will get to Brady. You know, but can they hit him enough? Can they get him so that they're in like a third and long situation? He's got to stretch the field with his old arm. You know, can they can they make them work hard and settle for field goals? You know, the Redskins are certainly a better team than their record, especially with uh, Alex Smith. Um, so I think they do. I think that we see a subpar game out of Brady. 
Uh, you know, and, and the question is, is, is can Alex Smith play better than he did last week? You know, only putting up, you know, 248 yards of total offense against the, the Eagles is, is not very impressive. But I, I like Alex Smith. I, I, I trust him to come back and do better. If the Washington can put up 24 points in this game, I think they win. Mike? I'm surprised you even you even gave that review there. Um, so I read a little, I did a little light reading that I found on this game. And the kickoff, as we know, is the primetime game. It's at, you know, 8.15, 8.30 at night in D.C. or Maryland for us, you know, people that actually know where the team plays. Kind of sad, but um, anyway, so it's a primetime game, 8.15, 8.30, you know, game. Looking back on this year with Brady and the Bucks, supposedly has not had a good record in late primetime games. So that's one, you know, go-getter for the uh, Washington football team here. Um, I think the defense is strong and sound, like like the way it's, like we said. Um, you know, Chase Young, uh, I mean, geez, the whole D-line, they're all going to be coming for Brady. It's just a matter of, you know, who gets them first. We got Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, I mean, it's it's just going to be a meeting at the quarterback. Um, the problem is our offense. The defense needs to have a great game. The offense needs to have a superb game. They need to go out there and light it up, which that has never been our thing. Um, and that's going to be the question. That's going to be the challenge. Uh, you know, right now we're debating about going with Smith and the backup quarterback uh, to play this game. Um so I have my doubts in the offense, but if the defense can play strong and the offense at least puts up some points, there's a chance. There's a chance, and I'll leave it at that. Brian, what do you think? Whoa, 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 whoa! Time out. Before we... no, no straddle in the fence here. You got to pick a team. Who's winning this game? Your Washington football team or the Buccaneers? I'm going to stand with my team because. There you go. Good choice. Defense, defense wins championships, right? Is that so, that's what yep. they say. Absolutely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my defense, and they're gonna get the job done. Love to hear it. Well, I mean, Logan took my analysis, which is we look at all the big games that Brady's played in throughout his career. There's a common denominator as to how to beat him, and it's you pressure him. I think Washington's on the list of the best defensive line in the league. Oh yeah. I mean, Probably. for sure, right? Top I two, mean, at least. Exactly. So, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle, but it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Bucks. Um, they did not, if they underestimate this Washington football team, they could find themselves in a fourth quarter down by three need to score type situation. Um, you know, and Alex Smith, which, yes, it's the name of the Comeback Player of the Year award should be renamed to the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year award. We can talk about that later. It should be. He's a veteran quarterback. Okay, He's been to the Super Bowl. He's a good he knows quarterback. How to play. He, exactly. He knows how to play in a football game. Tampa's in a trap game here. Very interesting game. I'm still taking Tampa by touchdown, but it's going to be close. Yeah, circling back to kind of what you guys said about uh, the Steelers and who they've played going down the stretch. I mean, Tampa played the Falcons twice and the Lions to finish out the season. It, it doesn't get too much easier than that. Both those teams fired their head coach this year. That's true. Another, you know, kind of 
limped into the playoffs there kind of thing. See what happens. Washington definitely has a chance. And it's at home, so that's great. Now going back to our segment, which we started before our vacation break. Uh, kicking off the fastest three-minute NFL award show, part two. So we continue with the fastest, the hottest, the spiciest podcast award show. Two guys in a mic, three-minute award show. This week we'll hand out our defensive awards for the defensive player of the year and the defensive rookie player of the year. So we each got one minute, three-minute total for the award show. Uh, Brian, let's get it off with you. I'm going to get my timer out here. I got the timer, Mike. Go ahead. Ready? Count it down. All right. So, Brian, you're picking your top defensive player and the top defensive rookie of the year player starting now. Yeah. So, defensive rookie of the year, it's got to be Chase Young. Dominant, dominant player. He's controlling the line of scrimmage. He's the Bosa defensive player of the year. From the last couple seasons, Joey Bosa, his brother in L.A., same kind of mentality. Just been an all-around great player this year for Washington. Kept them in games um, by himself. Uh, defensive player of the year. Logan, what's his name? Zav- you know who I'm talking Xavier Howard. Yeah, I mean, 10 interceptions. When was the last time that was done um, by a defensive back in a season? Um I hate to give props to a Miami player, but he definitely takes away one side of the field. Uh, best corner in the league this year. Um, if Chase Young wasn't a rookie, it'd probably be, be Chase Young, but I'll give it to Howard for Miami uh, just for his uh, dominant performance on that side of the uh, secondary. In time. Way to get it in. Way to get it in. All right, Mike, you want it? You want me to take it? I'll, I'll take it and I'll finish off with you. I'll do the timer with you. All right, ready? And go. Okay, so for sure right off the bat, I'm with I'm agreeing with Bryant. Uh, rookie defensive player year, hands down, Chase Young. Uh, this guy is incredible. He is a true leader. Um, it's unprecedented what he's doing for the leadership team of the Washington football team. Um, we got Taylor uh, Heineke <laughs> um, in for the game. Uh Last month he was, you know, taking exams, and we we picked him up because we needed for a backup quarterback. Uh, he was in the game. Uh, Chase Young runs out to the field during the game and says, you know, you know, hypes him up, saying he's ready to ball. And this guy is truly amazing, running up and down that sideline, coaching this team, being a true leader. Uh, just amazing stuff for him. I'm looking forward to him for seasons to come. My defensive player, I'm going with Pittsburgh Steeler T.J. Watt. Uh, I think he's getting business done and, you know, keeping that sack record alive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's that's my defensive player pick. And time. Good job. Whoa. All right, you got your stopwatch ready, Mike? All right, you ready? Ready. So your defensive player, Logan, and your rookie defensive player starting now. All right, like Brian said, my DMVP is none other than Miami's shutdown corner, Xavier Howard. Ten interceptions on the year. Hasn't been done in 13 years since Antonio Cromartie in 2007. He's had six picks in the last eight games. He's been the number one shutdown corner all year. He's only had 20 passes thrown to his side, and only half of those have been caught. No question. 
defensive rookie of the year, you guys nailed it, is Chase Young. This man is a star, like I said with uh, Josh Allen before. He's been dominant all season long. He's left his mark on every play and even ways that don't show up on the stat sheet. He's young, but he's a leader both on the field and in the locker room. Like Mike said, is a reason why this rookie wears the captain's title on his chest. Plenty of time left, <laughs> and you nailed it. Go All on. right, and that was our fastest three-minute award show. So, hey, so uh, moving so on. Real quick right here, let us know who your defensive player and rookie are in, uh, on the Facebook and on the Twitter. Also, next week we're going to be covering the offensive player of the year, offensive rookie, and the MVP. There we go. And so moving on, Logan, why don't you wrap up our pick for the NFL regular season here? All right, so it came down to the wire. Uh, we'll we'll go back a couple of weeks. We've we've been off for a little while, so back to week fifteen. Mike made a uh, uncharacteristic call and took the cowgirls, which gave him the win for the week at twelve and four. Brian and I ended up at eleven five. Uh, week sixteen, Mike continued to close the gap with his win. Uh, he got eleven picks, and Brian and I got ten. Uh, week 17 last week, Brian goes 13 and three, wins the week. Mike and I finish one game back at 12 and four. Therefore, our regular season ends in a tie with me and Brian at 174 correct picks on the year. Mike, you finish only three games back. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we all uh, finish so close. Sometimes somebody falls out and gets a little crazy, but. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all right there. So we'll clear the slate, and we'll, we'll go into the postseason. Um, just a recap, kind of. Uh, Colts at Bills. I think we're all taking the Bills. Is that right? Yes, I got Bills. Rams and Seahawks. We're all taking the Seahawks. All going Seahawks. We got the Buccaneers and Washington. Uh, I, me and Mike are taking split. Washington. Brian is taking the Bucks. Uh, Ravens and Titans. I'm taking the Ravens. You two are taking the Titans. Bears at Saints. Uh, we all got the Saints, and we're all taking the Steelers over the Browns. I want to change it, but I just ca- I can't do it with the COVID stuff. Do it, come on, Mike. You've made <laughs> I, I can't. Calls all year. Do it. I know, but I I just can't with this one. I can't. Put I want sh- you so bad though, and I'm gonna be cheering for the Browns. Like, put great. some sugar on it, Mike. Come on. Nope. Can't uh. do it. All right. All right, wrapping up, what's got who you got? So we got the college football playoff national championship uh, game will take place Monday with the number three ranked Ohio State facing off against the number one ranked Alabama. The Crimson Tide got there by defeating number four ranked Notre Dame 31 to 14 at the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State stunned number two Clemson 49 to 28 in the Sugar Bowl. Ohio and Alabama will meet for the only the fifth time in their storied histories. Who you got as the college football playoff national championship or champion? Uh, Logan, kick it off. Who are, you, who are you going with? I'm going with the lesser of two evils. I'm taking Alabama over Ohio with a final score of 41 to 31, which uh, will cover the spread and it'll take the under on the combined score. <clears throat> uh, I'm not a fan of either of these teams in any form or fashion. Uh, you know, but Alabama is clearly the better team, in my opinion. And, in fact, uh, these two teams are in my top five. Actually, I'd say top four most hated college teams. Number one being Ohio State. Number two, FSU. Number three, Michigan. Four, Alabama. Ooh, Michigan. We got a 
five gators. We do have a Michigan listener out there that we do know about. I don't know if yep. he's going to be chiming in about that. Listen, I'll tell you right now. The reason the Michigan's so high on that list is him. <laughs> Way to call out a viewer. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's right at you, Ferguson. We are totally going to be top fans on this uh, podcast here. Um, Brian, who you got for us? It's Alabama. I'm a Gator fan. I went to UF. I've watched Alabama play for the last 10 years. They're dominant. They're dominant this year. They just had a Heisman winning wide receiver get named this evening. And uh, I hate Ohio State very, very much. Almost as much as I hate Alabama. So I will stick with the SEC. I think they win 48-21. Not close. I just got to say, I think we're all in agreement. I think this whole thing is just garbage. Um, I'm also picking Alabama to win this. Um, I'm just so fed up with the college football system and everything about it. It's always the same teams. You know there's fraud going on with these schools, but nothing ever gets taken care of from it with the NCAA you know, rules and regulations. It never gets caught. It never gets leaked. I mean, I love watching Notre Dame. I will continue watching them. I know they're not going to, you know, be a top playoff team or, you know, get another uh, championship um, because they're not playing the same caliber types of teams. I get it. But this whole playoff thing, the schools, something's got to change. I mean, because we know these schools are, you know, the, the alumni or however way they're doing it, it's fraud. You know, buying players, cars, whatever to get them recruited. I mean, this is the reason why these these teams are constantly back in it. Um, you know, these kids. I think when they get to that age, they 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 go based on, oh, this team has a winning record the past you know ten years now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go sign with them. Like, it's fraud. Something needs to be changed here. You know, fix it. Fix fix the issue. I mean, if we got to start paying college players. Let's start paying college players. Let's make it fair all around. I'm down. Why not? Pay them. I agree. No. <laughs> all right. Wrapping up in this day in sports history, in honor of the Browns and Steelers back-to-back matchup, we are going all the way back to 2003, where the Steelers defeated the Browns 36-33 to in their wildcard matchup. The Cleveland Browns had everything working for them in a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but at the end of the day, the Browns were just the Browns and allowed Tommy Maddox to throw three second-half touchdowns to sneak past the Browns. And as always, if you liked what you heard, drop us a line. Please do. Connect with us on our social media pages, Twitter and Facebook, at Two Guys and a Mic. Once again, that's number two, Two Guys and a Mic. Say hi. Tell us where you're from. Tell us where you're listening from. Drink suggestions and feedback are greatly encouraged. We know there's going to be certain viewers that chime in, particularly with this episode. Bring the debate to the social pages. Let's see what you got. Let's 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 hear it out. And all good things coming next week. That's right. Come at me on Facebook. Don't come at me on text. Until next time, this has been Two Guys and a Mic.